0: day, for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run. So I ran to the end of the road and when I got there, I thought maybe I'd run to the end of town. President Carter suffering from heat exhaustion, fell into the army when I got there, I thought maybe I'd just run across Greenbow County. and I figured since they run this far, maybe I'd just run across the great state of Alabama and that's what I did. I ran clear across the Alabama. No particular reason, I just kept on going. I ran clear to the ocean. And when I got there, I figured since I'd gone this far, might as well turn around, just keep on going. When I got to another ocean, I figured since I'd gone this far, Might as well just turn back, keep right on going. When I got tired, I slept. When I got hungry, I ate. When I had to go, you know, I went. And
1: so you just
2: ran. Yeah. All right, today I want you to think about Forrest Gump with me. He just kept running and running and running. Earlier in the movie, remember the kids said, Run, Forrest, run. Remember that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 today, we're going to see that Paul tells us to keep on running. And I just want you to keep that picture of Forrest Gump in your mind. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We'll get there in just a little bit. Paul is telling us in these chapters to run from sexual immorality. Keep on running from sexual immorality. And you know, when it comes to our sexuality, all of us are given many, many opportunities all the time in which we can either give in to temptation or we can keep on running. Let me give you some examples. Say you're in a wedding party and you're invited to a bachelor party. And all the guys have decided to drive out to Three Forks and go to the strip club out there. And they're all doing it and you're invited, what are you going to (laughs) do? Run. Good idea. Or maybe the girls at your office are forming a book club, and they're inviting you to join them, and the book they've chosen to read is Fifty Shades of Grey, and some of the girls in the group are actually Christians, and they've told you, hey, it's harmless, it's just a guilty pleasure. What are you going to do? Or maybe there's that porn website, and it's just right here, and the temptation to indulge one more time is just right here. What are you going to do? Or you're on a business trip, and you think nobody's going to know about a harmless hookup, right? What are you going to do? Will you indulge that temptation, or will you do the Forrest Gump run? The reality is the stakes couldn't be higher, friends, because Paul gives us a stern warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to see this. It's up on the screen this morning. Paul says this, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, you're in big, big trouble if you're doing wrong. He says, neither the sexually immoral or idolaters nor adulterers nor men who have sex with men nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And in chapter 5 and and part of chapter 6, Paul is addressing sexual immorality very clearly and he throws in a bunch of other things into these two verses. But today we're going to focus on those three things that Paul talks about. Because Paul was writing this letter to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth who had become convinced that being free in Christ meant that there were no boundaries. And maybe you've heard that in this day. There's no boundaries because you have freedom in Christ. And so the people in Corinth were just happily engaging in all kinds of sex. And to be honest with you, some of it was a little weird. It just was. And... um, I would rather, let me just be frank with you, I would rather fast forward these two chapters today and just not talk about this topic at all, but I choose to do what I know benefits you (laughs) and me, and listen, we've got to know this stuff because the stakes are high. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I'm going to walk us through these two chapters, and we're going to wrestle with what the Bible says about our sexuality. And I want you to take a look at those verses again. And and, uh, I I want you to see the three behaviors that Paul is addressing here. The first one is sexually immoral. That's what he says there. Sexually immoral. This is anything outside a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman who is married. The Greek word that Paul uses is porneia. You might recognize that as being the root word of our English word pornography, pornea. What that word means is any sexual behavior that's outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sexual immorality. That's the first word Paul uses. Then he uses the word adulterers. That's people who are cheating on their spouse with somebody else. And then he talks about men who have sex with men. He's addressing homosexuality here. Paul's not talking about same-sex attraction. But if we go back to the beginning of that verse, you'll see that, that word early that says wrongdoers. What do you think the word wrongdoers means? Give me a definition. If you do wrong, you're a wrongdoer. You're exactly right, Stan. Paul's talking about behavior here. He's not talking about temptation. He's not talking about desire, he's not talking about who you are attracted to. He's talking about people who do wrong things. And so he lists these three things, and we're going to see why when we backtrack to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And listen, I don't have to tell you that these behaviors, sexual immorality, homosexuality, adultery, and all kinds of other things. I don't have to tell you that they're everywhere in our society, right? You're aware of the ubiquity of of sexual immorality. But you might not know that they were everywhere in the Corinthian church as well. Paul is writing this letter because the Corinthians are indulging in sexual sin. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to chapter five of 1 Corinthians, and um, I'm just gonna give you an overview of what he describes. He's addressing some specific uh, behaviors and specific people in the church at Corinth who were doing things that that Paul thought were wrong, that Paul knew were wrong. The first one in verse one, Paul just launches in in this chapter, and he talks about a man in the church who was sleeping with his father's wife. Now, theologians believe that that was probably his stepmother. It might have been his mother, but that's really gross. Um, but it. it It doesn't really matter. Either way it goes, Paul is saying, this is a really serious sin. This is wrong. And then he also talks about what was happening there in Corinth. Uh, Corinth was was a large city, and there was a big temple to the goddess Aphrodite. And you might remember from high school or or college classes, Aphrodite was the goddess of love and beauty and pleasure and procreation. And so at this temple, worshipers would go, and they would worship by having sex with prostitutes right there in the temple. Nobody thought this was wrong. It was just part of the Corinthian culture. It was both heterosexual and homosexual prostitutes, And it was just a big orgy there in the temple to Aphrodite. And some of the Christians, because they were free in Christ, they said, hey, I'm a Corinthian. I'm going to go to the temple of Aphrodite and I'm going to have a good time with a temple prostitute. And Paul is calling them out and saying, this is wrong. And you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if this is your behavior. In verses 2 and verse 6, we read that these people were really proud of their behavior, oddly enough. And in verse 9, we see that they had rejected Paul's teaching on sexual immorality. And I know, in all likelihood, that you're sitting here this morning, and I'm talking to you about these, these things, and you're saying, I would never do that. I would never have sex with my father's wife. I would never go have sex with a prostitute in some weird temple. That's not me. You. Anybody ewing with me this morning? All right, it's you. And so I want to ask the question this morning. I wonder what Paul would say to the Christians who attend Connect Church right here in Bozeman. If Paul were going to write a letter to us, what would he confront? He might talk about the secret porn habits that a lot of people have. He might talk about those Tinder hookups, the strip clubs. He might talk about the romance novels, having sex before you're actually married, living with your girlfriend instead of getting married. There's a trend on campuses all over the country, and it's true here in Bozeman as well. Uh, Young people are, are claiming what they call technical virginity. And what what they mean by that is they feel free to indulge in all kinds of sexual activity but they don't cross the line. You know what the line is, right? They don't cross the line and they call themselves technical virgins. I think Paul would call us out for that. Because Jesus set a standard for our sexuality. And it's this. I want you to see this. Here's the Jesus standard. One man One woman, married for life, with no lust. That's a really high bar. Am I wrong? When you add in with no lust, that's a high bar. And Paul isn't pulling the bar down by any means. He's reminding us all that the bar is still right here for our sexuality. And so listen, I want to be very clear. If you're a Christian and you have asked for forgiveness and you are, you're following Christ with your whole heart and, and all of this stuff that I'm talking about today, if this is all in your past, then today is not a day for you to dredge up all kinds of guilt and shame. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do for you, okay? But if this talk today is making you feel guilt or shame or if you feel a little bit embarrassed then I have really good news for you. Because today is going to be the first day of a whole new identity in Jesus for you. At the end of this message, we're going to pray. And if you will reach out to Jesus, you're going to be washed clean. There's going to be a miraculous transformation of your life what the Bible says is you can actually be born again. You can be as clean, as pure, as a brand new baby. Where'd the baby go? Oh, there's the baby. We have a brand new baby with us today in the front row. And that baby can be a picture of your identity in Christ today. So I want to fill you with hope right now. This is your day if you're struggling with any of these things. So what Paul is talking about in these two in these two chapters and particularly in chapter 6 is what I want you to remember more than anything if you're taking notes write this down it's my body is sacred. This body that I am living in is a sacred thing. I want to go back to those verses that I started with this morning verses 9 through 11. It says, don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he lists all of those things, all of those wrong behaviors. And the next verse is awesome. Here's where I want us to to camp out. Verse 11. Go ahead, Mary, if you will. Paul says, and that is what some of you were. Will you just read that sentence with me? And that is what some of you were. If you take notes or if you mark in your Bible, I would circle the word were with great big red circles. Because with that simple sentence, Paul tells us that we have a new identity. Your old identity might have been sexually immoral. It might have been any of those things that Paul talked about. It might have just been wrongdoer. But instead, today, your identity can be, my body is sacred. And I just want to tell you what we're going to be talking about. I want to give you a preview of why Paul says this. How can, how can Paul say that my body is sacred? He gives us seven things. There are bullet points in your, in your notes, and I'm going to give you all seven of them right now. And if if you can't write fast enough, don't worry, because we'll come back to each one. But Paul says, first of all, I am cleansed. He says, I am sanctified. I'm justified. This one's so powerful. He says, my body actually is not made for sexual immorality. He says, my body will rise from the dead. He says, my body is joined to Jesus. And he says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is sacred. And for all of these reasons, friends, you can can look at yourself in the mirror and say, that is a sacred person I'm looking at. My body is sacred. And I know that lots of us carry identities that a lot of times are related to what we perceive to be failures, especially when it comes to sex. It's easy for us to just overload ourselves with guilt. I'm a sex addict, some people might say. Or I'm a cheater. Or I'm gay. Or I'm promiscuous. I mean, fill in the blank for yourself. And those labels are really, really powerful because of this fact. And this is in your notes. My identity determines my behavior. What you believe about yourself is going to lead to how you live your life. And this is why this message is so important today. Because your identity, how you identify, is going to determine how you live your life. And we know this is true, right? Because in our culture, in the media, in movies, in television, in, in the newscast every night, people are talking all the time about identity. I turned on a podcast this last week, a podcast, a news podcast that I listen to all the time, and, and, uh, and there was an interview with a guy, an author, who's not a Christian, and uh, he's written a best-selling book about sex. And because I'm teaching on sex, my ears perked up. I wanted to know what this guy has to say. And he's become a really influential voice in our culture today. And in this talk, he said that our ancestors, going back thousands and thousands of years, our ancestors, he says, were sexual omnivores. Sexual omnivores. And he said that in in the early histories of humanity, people would form communities, and in those communities, everybody would have sex with everybody else, and everybody was okay with that. And so he said that being a sexual omnivore is hardwired into the human brain, and his point, what he wanted his listeners to get out of his research and out of his writing, was that it's okay to be a sexual omnivore. And here's the deal. He's talking about our identity, right? And if you believe that you're a sexual omnivore and that it's hardwired into you, if you really believe that fundamentally in your inner being, it's gonna lead to behavior in which you just sleep with anybody you can get into bed with. You're gonna act on that if that's your identity because identity determines behavior. If I think I'm a sex addict, I'm just going to give in to my impulses. I'm not even going to fight because I have no self-control. The Corinthians figured, hey, I'm a Corinthian. Corinthians go to the temple. Corinthians do what they want to. And that's what they did. But Paul said those behaviors are wrongdoing. And Paul said my body is sacred. So let's unpack those seven things and talk about what Paul wants us to get. The first thing he said in verse 11, actually we didn't even read it. Let's go back and read verse 11. He said, this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Three things in this verse. The first one is, I'm cleansed. This is such good news. Because when we sin, don't we feel dirty? Would you agree with me? There's just something that comes that makes me feel dirty. And the Bible tells us that Jesus died and his blood was shed so that we could be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Sin is washed away when I come to Jesus. Then the second thing that Paul says is that I'm sanctified. Sanctified. Sanctified is kind of a big theological term, but it just means holy. I am holy. It has the same root as the word sacred. Sanctified. And then he says, not only am I cleansed, not only am I sanctified, but I'm justified. And the easy way to remember what that word means is it means just as if I'd never sinned. Maybe you've heard that before. Just as if I'd never sinned. And what's beautiful about these three things is they're kind of progressive. Because he starts with, I'm cleansed. And, and think about it. If, if you're out working in the yard and, and you've got mud and dirt all over your hands, you go in and you wash your hands, right? And, and you get all clean. But if you look at your fingernails, you're, you've probably still got dirt under your nails, But your hands are relatively clean. But Paul says, that's not enough. In addition to being cleansed, when you come to Jesus, you're sanctified, which is like when you take the brush and you get all the dirt out of the fingernails. And you're completely holy. Sanctified means I'm not just cleansed, but now I'm holy. And justified means I don't even remember getting my hands dirty. It's just as if it never happened. How powerful is that? And it all comes just when we come to Jesus. All I have to do is pray and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm walking away from my sin. Cleanse me, sanctify me, justify me, Jesus. And right now, this is who you are in Christ. Paul says, some of you were wrongdoers. Some of you participated in all that stuff, but now you're cleansed, you're sanctified. You're justified. And so that's why I say our bodies are sacred. But there's more. The fourth bullet point in your notes is this one. My body is not made for sexual immorality. And listen, this flies against everything we're being told in our culture. That author that I mentioned earlier, I heard the podcast, he wants us to believe that we're sexual omnivores. These bodies are made to just spread it around. We are told, we're led to believe that because of evolution, we should sleep with everybody we possibly can. We're evolutionarily wired. I don't think I said that right, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Paul says that's not true. This body wasn't made for that. This body was not made for sexual immorality. And Paul says, fifthly, My body will rise from the dead. A lot of people think that this body is just a one-use vehicle, that I need to run hard and drive it until it falls into the ground of its own accord. I'm just going to use it up. I'm going to get as much experience and pleasure out of this body as possible. And when I'm dead, that's the end. Paul says no. You might think that when you die, your spirit goes floating off into space somewhere, and you're going to spend the rest of eternity as an angel. Do you know the Bible says your body is going to rise from the dead? And for some of you, you're going, I don't want this body in the future. But the Bible says this body is going to rise from the dead. Now, I think you get a pretty good upgrade And I don't have time to go into that, but this body is what you have for eternity. And Paul's arguing what you do in this body matters. It matters because it's not a one-time use vehicle. And then this is one of my favorite parts. Paul says, my body is joined to Jesus. My body is joined to Jesus. The word joined is the same word that's used about marriage in the New Testament. It's that kind of intimate uh, connection to somebody. And Paul says, This body is joined to Jesus. It's kind of like when you come to Jesus, Jesus just attaches himself to you. And I'm joined. To Jesus. We, we, you like the bling? Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I think we, we get a wrong idea of what, what it means to be a Christian. Because sometimes we, we come to church on Sunday mornings and we, we do our thing and we, we sing and we worship and we listen to the sermon. And then when we go home... We leave Jesus at Connect Church. I'm just going to leave him there. I'm going to go to work, go do my thing throughout the week. And next Sunday I'll come and I'll, I'll connect to Jesus again next week. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe you're real connected to Jesus. And on Monday morning, you sit down and you have your morning devotions. You read your Bible. You pray. But then you leave Jesus there on the prayer chair. You go to work. You do your thing go out for a beer with the guys afterwards. You just kind of leave Jesus there at the prayer chair. But Tuesday morning, you're back back connected to Jesus. Paul says that's not how it works. Paul says my body is joined to Jesus. The Bible says elsewhere, I will never leave you or forsake you. So what I do with my body has Jesus along with me for whatever it is I'm doing. And I was talking with some people this week about, about being joined to Jesus, and, and, and I asked a question, what happens when we sin? And, and the response that I got was, well, then we're, we're disconnected from God. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Paul says that if I join myself to a prostitute... I've joined Jesus to a prostitute. If I indulge in a sexual relationship out of marriage, I've taken Jesus into that skanky hotel room along with me because I'm joined to Jesus. And the Bible puts it a little more elegantly than I just did. But read it for yourself. That's what Paul says. And it's not that sin separates me from Jesus. It's more like I just kind of ignore him and just try to... I I just don't want to see him, so I'm just going to put him back there. But the reality is, everything I do in this body includes Jesus because he doesn't go anywhere. I'm joined to Jesus. And this body is sacred, which is why Paul is saying when we sin with our bodies, it's doing all kinds of harm to Jesus himself. Do you know what I mean? Now I've really messed up. (laughs) My body is sacred. And Jesus doesn't go anywhere. The last thing Paul says... Is that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is really the most forceful reason why we can say that our bodies are sacred. This body is where the Holy Spirit lives. Last week we talked about Jesus' church being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now in this chapter, he makes it real personal and he says, Your body, singular, your body is a temple. this body is sacred so paul gives us two next steps and with this i'm going to close and and then we're going to pray and in 1 corinthians 6:18 here's a next step what do you do with this it says this flee from sexual immorality flee from sexual immorality and if you look that up in a Bible dictionary, what you're going to see is that the word flee, the best translation is keep on running. That's why I want you to think about Forrest Gump. Paul says, because your body is sacred, because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, because you're joined to Jesus, because you've been cleansed and sanctified and justified, run away. Anytime you have an opportunity to indulge in sexual immorality, run away and keep on running. And don't stop running after a day or two and you get a little tired. You keep running till you get to the ocean. And if there's still temptation, then you turn around and you run to the other ocean. You just keep on running. You can't give in to this. Keep on running from temptation. And then the second next step is to honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. That's in verse 20. And this is where I just want to take us back to this definition of love. That says, I choose to do what I know benefits you. And really what we could do is just tweak this a little bit and say, with my body, I'm going to choose to do what I know honors God. Or you could tweak it even further and say, I'm going to choose to do what I know honors my spouse. Or honors my future spouse. When you start looking at your sexuality through that lens, everything changes. Everything changes. Because your body is sacred. Would you put your things aside? And we're going to pray. Actually, why don't we stand together? Can we do that? Let's pray. Jesus, in these final moments that we have to spend together, I want to ask you to come and speak to us. And, and although um, these chapters from 1 Corinthians have been tough to hear, they're also full of all kinds of grace. And so, Jesus, we ask you to come And meet us right here in this room. And where we need a a heart of repentance, Lord, we invite you to give us that repentance. Where we need cleansing and sanctifying and justifying, Jesus, come and do that. And change us today from the inside out, I pray. We'll pray again in just a second, but I want us to sing this great song together, and and then we'll pray. And, and I want to pray a prayer this morning for a miracle. And I just want to ask you to be just as respectful as you can. And, and don't move around for the next few minutes. And, and if you'd give everyone in this room just a moment of, of privacy. Because I don't want to embarrass anybody at all. Not at all. But today, if you need to be washed clean of sexual sin or really any sin whatsoever, Jesus offers you, he offers you a new start, a brand new start. You can be born again like this little baby. That's for you today. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a a dozen years or if you've never walked with Jesus at all. Today is your day for a fresh start and I'm, I'm not going to call you out I'm not going to embarrass you in any way but I know that sometimes we have to do something in the physical to see a change in the spiritual so if you're asking for a fresh start and cleansing and forgiveness from Jesus this morning I'm, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and nobody's looking around absolutely nobody's looking around raise your hand real high I'm going to pray for you okay Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is, this is, this is awesome because this is a new start for a whole bunch of people. Okay, you can put your hands down. And now I'm going to ask for our prayer team. Would you go ahead and open your eyes, prayer team? And, and maybe you'll even want to just come to the front so you can see. And I'm going to leave, those of you that that raised your hands, I'm going to leave this choice right up to you. I'm going to pray for us all. And I'm going to pray that Jesus does a miracle in the heavenly realms. And if you want to just pray with me, that's just fine. But if you would like somebody to come and pray with you and lay hands on you, this gives you another added layer of spiritual power to break the chains that have kept you in bondage. And if you would like somebody to come and pray with you, would you slip up your hand right where you are? And, and no obligation. It's just an invitation for anybody that would like somebody to pray. Okay. And if nobody sees you, just wave a little bit. Okay. Okay. Now let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise of forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for your generosity of giving your life so that we don't have to pay the consequences of our sin, the penalty of our sin, eternally. You're you're reconnecting us to God in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray for every single person that raised their hand. I want to pray, Lord, that in this moment, Lord, you will wash them clean. And I pray, Lord, that right now as we pray, that it'll be a miraculous washing. That it won't, it won't just be a, a little hand rinsing. It's going to be a dump of, of your forgiveness and a dump of your grace into their lives, Jesus. I pray that every little corner of sin will be washed away and the guilt that comes with sin, Lord, will be washed away. I pray, Lord, that no longer will we be living in shame, but Lord, this moment will be that moment where we know that we have walked away from sexual sin. We've walked away and we're walking into the light of your love and your grace and and we're gonna have a new identity because no longer are we viewing ourselves through that lens of, of sin and, and, and what the world has told us, but we're seeing, Jesus, that, that we are sacred. And Lord, as we pray together, I want to I ask you, God, will you fill us with your Spirit in a powerful way so that your Spirit will come and make us holy It's the Holy Spirit living in us. And I want to pray that, Lord, that you will fill us with your holy, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I I, I want to ask you, God, to start changing us from the inside out because it's not about trying harder. It's about you changing us because your presence is in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.